Hi, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and welcome to another in our special editions of Radio Brews News, recorded live at the recent BrewCon 19. Our coverage of BrewCon 19 was made possible by Bintani, who are not only providing brewers with the finest ingredients, they gave us the opportunity to bring you the finest guests live. And I can't think of anyone finer than this week's guest, Rudy Hekiar. His BrewCon bio reads thus. Born in the shadow of the historic Rodenbach Brewery in Belgium, Rudy Hakir has spent the last 37 years advancing the legacy of the region's distinctive sour beer, brewing with a combination of old world and new world technologies. Rodenbach has long been the darling of beer enthusiasts, with Rudy at the helm as the modern day father of sour beer. He was promoted to brewmaster in 1994, the post he holds today 25 years later. Well, that was his bio, but as you'll see, Rudy is so much more than that. I have been fortunate to interview so many people on this podcast, but few have left such an impression. To me, Rudy is Belgian beer personified, a lover of tradition, but never its slave, and a passionate advocate of good beer. Enjoy this conversation with Rudy Hekir. Rudy Hakira. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, there we go. Beautifully yeah. done. The, the tape's running. And uh, wonderfully, Pete Mitchum. Uh, welcome to Beer as a Conversation, live from uh, BrewCon 19. And we've just, yeah, we've just, I've just had the pleasure of, uh, of presenting Rudy to uh, to the BrewCon audience and a really interesting discussion on uh, tradition and innovation and, and relevance. Uh, and you sort of think, you know, Rodenbach, what is there to say that, that hasn't been said before? But as Rudy will explain, uh, it's, it's not enough to just be the world's most awarded brewery. It's not enough to be, you know, a, a, a traditional, an iconic um, brand. You need to be able to move forward as your new uh, market moves forward as well. Which is a great way because I wanted to uh, – this has been a couple of episodes of Old Man Radio um, as, mm-hmm. as we've been talking to the kids about some of the important beers. Yeah. Um, and I say that laden with sarcasm. But, Rudy, perhaps you could just have step us back and tell us the Rodenbach story. Well, the Rodenbach story goes um, quite back in time. It is based on a brewing method that dated from before the year 1000. It was a way to make beer in summer uh, and to make um, and to stabilize the beer in summer because all the beers who were brewed in summer were very quick infected. So they must have discovered the method to preserve the beer by acidity. This is really the key of our brewing method. And then the brand. The brand is coming more alive by the takeover of a German family in 1821. And they were very successful. And they could make the beer even better. So they compared our brewing methods with English brewing methods of old porters, because also porters at, at the time were sour, but accessible sour. So the beer became very popular. But then we have had the First World War. All the Belgian breweries were stolen from their copper by the Germans. So they could not start up again after the First World War, except Rodenbach. And why? Because when the Germans came in, in Ruslare, they died a lot of people. And the Rodenbach family was a very important family, and they said, okay, you cannot do that any further. You may not kill all the people. So we, they made a negotiation with the Germans. They paid the whole capital of the brewery to the Germans to protect the city, to protect the brewery, 
and to protect the installation. And the Germans had respect that. Thanks to that, we could start up immediately after the First World War. And that brand became even more popular. And um, from the beginning, it was a Moultrie brewery. Uh, so it was, and, and it was not always co- uh, called the Rodenbach brewery. From time to time, it was called uh, La Brasserie Rodenbach, ou la, um, uh, la Brasserie Maltrie Saint-Georges. Uh, many names, but always owned by the same family, the Rodenbach family. And the brand was very popular early 80s. Uh, but then we have had seen the coming up of the weed, of the wheat beers in Belgium. They were also very popular. We bought a second brewery in Brugge, brewery De Houdenboom, and those two breweries were sold by the family to the Palm Brewery. So they, then we became another step step of organization. But we have had the chance, thanks to that uh, took over, that we could build new installations, build a new brew house. And uh, now again, we are in a bigger uh, corporation uh, because the Swinkers family took over the whole Palm uh, Breweries group in Belgium. And again, we have had a chance to do new in- investments to make our beer even better than it was before. And we have the chance to bring our beer all over the world because they are very strong in export. And this is also the reason why I'm here. One of the things I'd like to pick up on that because it's it's one of the foundational things that I think we do forget in a rapidly changing craft beer focused world is uh, as what are now called sour beers, whether they're, they're kettle sours or um, uh, mixed fermentation beers. A lot of people today think that it is a flavour outcome that is being chased when you said that that acidity in the beer was used to preserve the beer yeah. and, and it, it, the, the the taste was a side effect of the function which was preserving, which is a little bit like hops being used in beer as well um, to, right. to extend the, the, the shelf life. The disadvantage of using hops in beer is that it gives bitterness. The disadvantage of using uh, preservation with, uh, with acidity is that it gives acidity. Okay, you have that, and but then you can play with it. If I look to the to the hoppiness and bitterness in beer, you can play with the varieties of hops, and you can make it more pleasant, more citrusy, more flowery. I see New Zealand hops that are that are innovating. Uh, they are bringing a wine taste in a beer, but also with sour beers, you can bring in a natural way fruitiness in your product so that the beer is more attractive, that the beer is more um, interesting for the consumer. You always can add other flavors like fruit flavors, but then you have, uh, it's not beer owned. And what we try to do, we try to bring as much fruity flavors in the beer by the beer itself, by aging the beer on wood. And these are our legends. And Matt, uh, one of the things that Rudy pointed out that I think really tickled the room was that, um, and particularly for Australian and perhaps uh, Melbourne beer folks, to see Rudy say, well, we're the world's most awarded brewery. And I, <laughs> so, which may be challenged by one particular brewer in Australia. But the first award, if I'm correct, Rudy, was 1894 or 1896. And the most recent was two weeks ago at the, at the World Beer Challenge. And they've been winning them ever since. So that's, that tells us, I, I guess, the... Uh, there's the history of the brewery, but it's still in a modern age. You've obviously found a way to keep that 
um, that brand story relevant to to drinkers who who now perhaps don't know the history uh, and are seeing, as Matt said, sour beers as as something a bit cool and niche. Yeah, I think you have to respect your history, but you cannot live from your history. You have to learn from your history, but you have to to live by the future, by the the millennials, by the new people. So we have to communicate with them on in their way of thinking and always looking back and saying we were better at the time we were the strongest we were no you are nobody you are now and you have to to beat the future and this is what we try to do but as a as a brewery that has inspired so many of the new generation of brewers or the people that really pioneered what we now call craft beer um does it does it Lend a sense of frustration when you uh, hear, as, as I have, people describing Rodenbach as, oh, it's an approachable sour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once upon a time... Okay, uh, future will say who is right to say that. <laughs> okay. Um, no, frustration is a bad partner. You may not be frustrated. Uh, I think the craft beer industry is good that it, that it is there. They are bringing life again in brewing industry. Um, what we have seen since the First World War, all beers were going, were, were becoming more equal, and the best quality survived. All the other ones disappeared. But at a certain moment in the 80s, it was nearly 95, 96% of Pils beers in the world. And if I look to those, to that evolution, the bitterness was going down that you nearly did not taste any bitterness any longer in the beer. And then we have seen the movement of craft beer, people who want to bring more flavor in the beer. And maybe they are going too far. Okay, they are right to go too far. It is the consumer who will decide it at the time. And he is our judge, not a brewer who is talking about the brand of his conqueror. It's the consumer who will be our judge. And, and you can cry what you want. You can say, oh, a beer of uh, 80 EBU is a good beer and it's very drinkable. I'm sure this is too bitter for most of the people. That's a, I would describe that as a very zen approach. A very, you know, Charlie Bamforth, who uh, is a, a very zen character himself, uh, loves to talk about the middle way. Um, and and that, that sounds like a very pragmatic, uh, realistic way of viewing it. But how does a brewery with the tradition that Rodenbach has um, and the, the, the beers and how, how do you manage to tell that story but also stay relevant to these people that are looking for the new and the exciting? That's one of the reasons I'm here, <laughs> to tell the story and uh, to communicate also with our marketing people who are um, much more busy with uh, the new generation the, the new consumers, because as a brewery, I have always uh, the reflex to look backwards and to look to your old consumers, to think in your way when you first uh, drank a beer. But the life goes on and the world uh, goes through. So um, you have your um, authenticity, you have your history, and you have to preserve that. But you have to, to bring that in a modern way, an acceptable way, not always by by uh, looking backwards, but looking forwards and bringing it what we have, what we have shown in, in in those small films. 
laughing, bringing humor in, in your brand. And, and, and that is how we try to communicate with our new consumers. It was really interesting to see the, the videos to which um, Rudy's referring, new age ads, if you like, for, a, for an iconic brand, uh, and really approaching millennials um, in terms of not taking themselves too seriously. The ads are lighthearted, but it's still, it still refers to, uh, for example, Coopers. And then there's a little arrow pointing, these are carpenters. And it's that link between, okay, we need to speak not, almost in a different language, we can't ignore the millennials because, as, as Rudy very saliently pointed out, they are our future consumers. And it's, and it, it's staying relevant. But, the, again, just going back to when you were talking about uh, Rodenbach and, and you talked about the, the, the sourness, but then you talked about the, 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 the barrel ageing, which was inspired by the English brewing traditions. Um, inspired, yes, but maybe the Rodenbachs went to England to compare their own brewing method to make it even better. So to learn something from someone else. So that is what we are seeing now by collaboration brews. You try to learn from someone else. And in a growing market, this is not a problem. Once the market is saturated, then you will be a competitor of each other. And then it, the world will change, I'm sure. The Belgian brewing tradition has been very much about learning and, and adopting. Uh, another one of my favorite Belgian beers is Duvel, um, mm-hmm. that... I, I believe that the, the story is that they uh, took the yeast from a can of McEwen's uh, um, and adopted it. It was a much darker beer. Pilsner's swept across Europe. Duval became a lighter beer. Um, and even a classic beer like that in, in pioneering a, a strong golden uh, ale style. Um, those are the sorts of stories I see that Belgian brewers are, are great at adapting and constantly reinventing their beers but in in a very authentic way yeah i think duvel is a really good e- exemplary of that so they are very inventing but also very traditional and this is what we try to do also this is uh one of my uh icons also in belgium uh, and we try to be to be that also so talk to us about some of the ways that Rodenbach is. Actually, am I correct that the Rodenbach cans? Um, so so Rodenbach was, must have been one of the first breweries to can uh, in a beer in Belgium? Uh, no, others do, are doing that also. Certainly the Pils brewers, but uh, um, a specialty brewer, as a craft brewer, uh, we are really one of the first who is who are doing that. Because we believe that cans... Um, is a, is a more sustainable way of um, uh, bringing your beer to the market. And um, this is, I think, very important for the future, sustainability. And this is also one of the, the messages of the new owner, uh, the Swinkers family brewers. They are looking and they are uh, going to more sustainability. But you also pasteurize, um, which is, a, I believe, yeah. is, is that correct? Which is an, an anathema to a lot of craft brewers. But then we're also seeing a lot of craft brewers' cans exploding um, and, and, and things like that. So as a very traditional brewery, you're yeah. quite happy to embrace new okay. methods. Thank you for that question. This is a nice question, and it will give also answer on that. Pasteurizing a beer is hiring your temperature so that you will uh, kill bad beer bacteria. Uh, but your your beer is not dead. Let us be correct. Your beer is not dead. You protect your beer against spoilage. Yeah? If I compare pasteurizing of beer 
with what happens in the wine industry. And the wine industry, they're also pasteurizing their product, but not with heat, but with chemicals. If you ask me what I want, I want to have no chemicals in my product. And you, I find it in wine and not in beer. So pasteurizing your beer is a good thing. I have to ask just quickly, um, are the cans the same the world over? Because I noticed in Australia we get the, the Van Sank, or the, 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 yeah, the, the 25 centiliter, yeah. which just leaves me wanting one more. <laughs> is, is it teasing okay. us or, or does everyone get the same size? I can say in the US we have uh, half liters <laughs> <laughs> and we are testing the market with half liters and maybe we bring them also here to this market. But no... And the reason I say that is because for me, Rodenbuck is one of those beers that that almost begs to be shared. Because yeah. because for me, it's and like you was talking about, it's a perfect food match. So for me, it's that occasion beer. It and it sits beautifully on the table, even in the can because the cans are elegant. But it's just harder to share the two fifty. Yeah, but then uh, you need another one. That's also <laughs> that's good marketing. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. Speaking of leaving wanting you're, more, you're, 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 I've got to go, go back Pete. to my room. So, Rudy, thank you again for. Um, your time out there uh, at Brucon, I'll leave you with in, in Matt's hands. Thanks, Pete. Thank you. So, Rudy, talk to me a little bit about what we've talked a lot about innovation and staying relevant. Do you have a product development team who are looking at new ways of doing it, or is it ways of keeping the same beers relevant? Uh, first of all, is keeping the same beers relevant, but we have also um, a team who is busy with uh, developing of new products. But we are looking... Um, to the market uh, and what is the market interested so if we have a market who is inter interested in, a, in an adapted flavor uh, then we can make that product also it's not like that that we make a beer and we go to the market and say who wants it this is not the way how we how we how we work in the past maybe with alexander that was a celebration beer and and afterwards everyone found that a very nice and good beer. And it is really an icon beer also. But um, I think now we are thinking more smart and we are thinking more in market, marketing-wise what does the market want? What, what does the, the consumer want? The consumers want that uh, there's a real fear of uh, missing out. They, they want everything now. They don't want to be denied. Um, they, they want access to, to things. What's your advice to brewers who are replicating the, the, the Rodenbach style, um, should they be trying to imitate it or should they be trying to innovate to their own? It's always bad to replicate. Um, it don't give credibility to the market. Uh, it's trying to win money on the other one's back. Um, I think as a good brewer, you have to innovate. You have to make new things. Um you must not be make the beer of another one. You must you must make first a good beer, second a sustainable beer that you always can't recognize, and third you have to bring it in an original way, not uh, to 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 use the communication of someone else. That gives you no no credibility in the market. This is what I want to advise. I, I, I once had somebody explain to me the difference between, for example, the German brewing tradition and the Belgian brewing tradition is if you said to a German brewer, your beer is the same as Fritz's down the road, he'd say, of course it is, it's a Pilsner. Um, Pilsners taste the same way. But if you said that to a, a Belgian brewer, your 
uh, Flanders Red is the same as the Brood, and they'd be upset because there's a, a, a very idiosyncratic approach between mm-hmm. Belgian brewers. Yeah, okay, but first of all, um, thanks to the Reinitzkabot in Germany, they all have made the same beer. And that was popular on the moment that everyone was drinking that beer, very local. But now the local market didn't exist. Everyone has a car, can drive where he wants. And that will be very hard for small craft brewers in, in Germany. And they are uh, <clears throat> dominated by their own tradition of Reinheitsgebot. This is what we don't have in Belgium. We are more open. We always have had different traditions, the four beer stars. And uh, no Belgian brewer will say to another one, you are doing it in your own way. So uh, this is this is not like that. But if I talk about my own brand, the Flemish red-brown tradition, I can say the way how we are doing it, and we have, and I can talk about... Uh, about more than 80% of the market share, that it is that it is still in the original way as we made it 200 years ago. And I've, I've have, I can prove that. Other brewers who, who make a similar beer, who only started with that beer at the end of the 80s, cannot claim that they are making that in a 200-year tradition. But it is good that they are there because they are bringing the brand alive. And and uh, not only the brand, but the segment of life, the, the 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 category of life, and this is important. In the one, in the land of blind people, the one eye is king. And it is important that also others are there to look to your to your um, uh, type of beer. And by by being a concurrent, they are helping you to think further. Otherwise, you become lazy. There, there are a lot of a lot of people in America and England and Australia want to talk about what Belgian beer is, um, and as outsiders, they want to talk about it, um, having observed the culture. What are the great misconceptions about Belgium and its brewing traditions that you've picked up in, in your travels around the world? Okay, uh, if I talk about American craft brewers, they are making Belgian stars, but as they are Americans, they try to um, to give um, a certain reflex, an American reflex in the beer, and there you can you can taste um, sour IPAs. Sorry, but that didn't exist. This is no style. This is this is uh, an infection, uh, and they try to to sell it. Okay, they may do that. Again, it will be the consumer who will be the judge at the end, and we will see. If sour IPA survive in the next 20 years, I'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) As Pete said, um, Pete and I spend a lot of time thinking about beer and food. um, And IPAs and hop-driven beers are king at the moment. There's a lot of uh, love for those styles, but I find that they're too... That they overwhelm most food, whereas just an elegant beer like Rodenbach is is a lay-down... Mazer is it's just a, a, a staple for beer and food matching. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite uh, food matches with Rodenbach? Depending of, of the brand. Uh, if I talk about the Rodenbach Classic, then the idle match, and it is uh, not me who is saying that, but the idle match is with shrimps, North Sea shrimps, and Rodenbach is really 
an incredible, incredible good match. But also with seafood and fish goes that very well together. You can replace any white wine by a classic Rodenbach. If I talk about Grand Cru, the Grand Cru goes very well together with cheese, certainly um, spicy cheese and blue cheese, but also fatty cheese because the sourness of our, of our beer will take the fattiness every time again away. And it makes the cheese very digestible <clears throat> in your body. This is a big difference. If you pair cheese with red wine, then your liver will be infected by the fattiness of the cheese and also the alcohol of the wine. So it's better to have less alcohol so to, to don't beat your liver. Your liver. So, um, But also Grand Cru goes very well together with spicy food, hot chicken wings, uh, grilled meat, uh, spicy food, and also chili con carne, very peppery food. Uh, you may ask people from uh, uh, Indonesia, but also uh, Thailand, where they eat very spicy food. Our beers match very well together with their beers. If you go to our icon brand like Vintage, that goes very well together with smoked eel, but also with duck liver. Even those products who even more, more have more fattiness. And then we have, for every type, also a fruit beer. The Rodebach Fruitage is a very nice aperitif and you can make a perfect match and you can use it instead of a cocktail, but with half as much ABV as you have in a classical cocktail. And in beer, it will be always more isotonic comparing with uh, the classical uh, yeah, cocktails they are making with, with, uh, with spirits. Then we have Alexander. Alexander is, is a very good match with... Um, duck breast and cranberries and um, dishes where you bring in, into the dish some fruit like sour cherries or cranberries but also with desserts vanilla ice, a mint of leaf so, uh, warm sour cherries and, uh, and an Alexander is, is a perfect match and if we talk about Caracter Rouge yeah, duck breast and cranberries and, uh, and Caracter Rouge is really this is nearly heaven <laughs> I, I have to. I was just wondering when we were going to get to the duck because that, that's uh, one of my uh, favourite matches. Are we looking at any innovation from uh, Rodenbach? Will we see any new beers? Will we see uh, a hopped Rodenbach, for example, or is that? This is against our tradition. Um, we use hops, but under taste level, we are busy with that. But it is no, not our uh, driving partner. So hop and Rodenbach is not uh, the good match. We are in a bigger group who makes very nice hoppy beers. And I believe in those beers also. I will not be, be their competitor. Let us be the one who makes good sour beers, very sustainable. And what's a good sour beer? A good sour beer is the ones that we are making. <laughs> Rudy Hakir, thank you very much for giving up a little bit of your time at Brucon. Thank you for traveling and uh, presenting at Brucon. And thank you for spending a little bit of time with us on uh, Radio Brews News Live. Thank you very much for having me. And that was Rudy Hakira from Rodenbach. And thank you to Bintani for making our coverage of Brucon 2019 possible. Don't forget to lock in the date for Brucon 2020, which will take place on September 21 and 22 next year. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. 
You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. 